You're listening to the Cairn 10 Podcast, where we bring our alumni back inside Cairn University in just 10 minutes. Technology and the Christian, that is the subject of today's podcast. Probably wouldn't surprise you that there is much interest on the part of Christians these days related to this subject. In fact, our guest today is teaching a new course at Cairn on that subject, so we welcome back today one who I think has perhaps the dubious honor of being our first repeat guest on the podcast, Dr. Keith Plummer, who is a professor here at Cairn in the School of Divinity. Keith, thanks for joining us, and thanks for being willing to come back again. You're welcome, and thank you for inviting me back. Well, uh, this is a really um, broad topic, so I wonder if you could talk first about the course sure. that you were teaching, and maybe a little bit as well of how that came to be, how it came to be that you're teaching this particular class. Well, the School of Divinity offers for our grad students um, an elective called Contemporary Issues in Theology. And because this is an issue that Christians are thinking about and dealing with, we thought, why not do a class on a theology of technology? And so that is what we're doing. It is an MDivs uh, course. And what we're trying to do with that is a number of things. We're trying to give a definition of technology and then situate technology within the unfolding biblical narrative. So using the broad categories of the narrative of redemption, creation, fall, um, redemption, restoration, where does technology fit in each of those headings? And uh, how do we think biblically about uh, technology in each of those areas? Another thing that we're trying to do is apply insights from a discipline called media ecology. Uh, to decision-making about the students' use of uh, technology in, in their personal lives and ministries. Another goal of the class is to have students become more self-aware of uh, the place and the influence on uh, technological use in their lives, their relationships, and their ministries, and uh, discern how various information technologies may be aiding and or hindering Christian discipleship and formation. Hmm. We actually uh, asked alumni for some questions related to this subject, and uh, uh, I received a number, but I, I wanted to throw two of those out there to you. Uh, one of the questions was, do you see recent technological developments as more of an opportunity or a threat to the church? And the other question is, since technology <laughs> arguably makes us the first generation able to actually fulfill the Great Commission, is it irresponsible for the body of Christ not to stay up to date on the latest technological advances and not to be on the forefront of research? That's a good question. Let's take the first one. Um, I think we'd have to take every technology on a case-by-case -case basis in terms of more of an opportunity, more of a threat. I think that there are both advantages and there are disadvantages uh, to the the mission of the church when it comes to various technologies. Um, unfortunately, though, I think Christians, like the rest of our society, for the most part, are often more focused on the opportunities than we are on the potential threats. And um, in reading through Neil Postman in his book, uh, actually this is an article that he did, Five Things We Need to Know About Technological Change, he said something that I thought was really, really um, helpful. He said, the question, what will a new technology do, is no more important than the question, what will a new technology undo? Indeed, the latter question is more important precisely because it is asked so infrequently. Christians are rightly enthused 
about the opportunities that new technologies afford for doing the work of the kingdom. But I think that uh, where we are often lacking is giving some substantial theological reflection to our use of various technologies. How might the use of this technology over time be shaping and influencing us in ways that might not be very good? Hmm. What about that, the question about the Great Commission? I mean, do you, do you see, um, I, I think that, you know, the question almost perhaps assumes that there, it, there was a kind of a lack of capability to fulfill the Great Commission before, and maybe now we've been given that. Yeah. Uh, do you see that? Yes. As being the case, or? There are, there are a couple of assumptions with that question that I'd want to tease out. Um, as you say, it assumes that technology is limited to information technology, hmm. uh, whereas Christians have always used technology. Um, pen and ink is technology, right. but we tend to think of technology limited best by computers, information technology. That's one thing. But it also assumes, if we were to say, uh, information technology, it assumes that all people groups have access to information technology, which they don't. And so the idea that we have the potential to fulfill the Great Commission, um, just on that basis, I would take somewhat issue with. Uh, I also think that an implicit assumption in it is that the Great Commission is restricted to evangelism and the making of converts, but uh, the call is to make disciples. Hmm. And that involves more than merely the transmission of information. It requires presence, community, fellowship, uh, teaching by example. And so uh, can technology be part of the fulfilling of the Great Commission? Sure. But um, it can't replace some other aspects that I don't think technology really can do. Related to that, a lot of people use social media for theological dialogue. Do you see this as more of a helpful or harmful development? This is another excellent question that we received from a graduate, actually. Mm. I think it can be done well, but it's challenging. Um, and I think, again, we have to give serious thought to the culture of the media and how they predispose us towards certain modes of communication and away from others. Twitter, for example, I would not uh, recommend as a medium for substantive theological dialogue. Um, even Facebook, I think there are some pros and cons with that, but the, those media tend to place severe restrictions on what we, what we can do, and they can lend themselves to kind of like pithy mm -hmm. and uh, oftentimes disputational exchanges. Uh, so I think that where we can, we should be looking to use social media as springboards for more personal interactions. So there have been times when, you know, through a comment thread on Facebook, that has resulted in a telephone call with mm -hmm. someone, uh, or in some cases, maybe even a, an actual meeting so that you've got more avenues for personal expression, less opportunities for misinterpretation, and you're faced with a greater, uh, to a greater degree with the fact that you're dealing with more than just pixels. Hmm. Uh, you're, you're dealing with an image bearer. Are there any things that come to your mind that are sort of 
parameters to keep in mind as people are engaging? How can one be very active in this world without stepping into some of these maybe more problematic areas? And sort of how do you think through that, that kind of uh, process? Well, I'd have to confess I don't always use Twitter well. <laughs> uh, sometimes I fall into the, the venting uh, and uh, you know, I, I think that that is one of the, the pitfalls. Mm. I try to use it for um, the purpose of maybe pointing to things that I think are going to be edifying or, or challenging. Sometimes it's just an expression of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, and other times, as I'm reading things that I come across that really strike me, I will you know, put up a quotation or, or something like that or, or link to something that I've read online that I have found helpful. But um, I, I think all that the Bible has to say about the use of our tongues and um, wisdom in terms of speech has to be translated over to our use of social media. Proverbs was meant for Twitter and social <laughs> media. There, there is so much there about uh, wise and foolish speech that it would do us all well to meditate on and seek to apply in our use of social media. That's great advice. Well, thanks for joining us, Dr. Plummer, and thanks, alumni, for listening. If you're interested in more of what Keith has to say on these subjects, stick around after the podcast for a little more conversation and also an explanation of how those who have graduated from Cairn can access the classroom with our professors like Keith at no cost to them. In the meantime, are there subjects that you're interested in hearing our faculty talk about? If so, please send me an email at alumni at with some feedback and maybe a topic suggestion. And while you're there, submit a question as well, and maybe we'll use that next time on the podcast. All right, Keith, here's where we loosen our shirt collars a bit, roll up our sleeves. If somebody's listening now, they either really liked what you had to say or they were really intrigued because I mentioned free stuff, which <laughs> often happens. But in either case, I'm, I'm glad to have the chance to talk with you a little bit. And it's been uh, fun to go back and forth uh, and discuss some of these things um, with you even outside of, of the podcast. But I asked you about this earlier on, and I hope you don't mind me raising this now as a subject. But I was thinking, you know, for a lot of us, depending on your age, uh, there may have been some, some times where in the kind of technological revolution or whatever scholars refer to this as that we're, we're going through, there are kind of these moments that are big. And one of them for me happened at Cairn when I was a student here. I transferred in in the 90s and we got email. And it was, I remember there were two computers, any alumni who might be listening from that era might remember this, and there were lines lined up. And I remember emailing my older brother in Massachusetts, sort of testing the timing, like how long is this actually taking to get there? And it's kind of comical. It's like two kids with cans and a string tied between the two in a little science experiment trying to figure out. Do you have something like that? I mean, was there a period where something happened and it's, it's almost kind of blowing your mind because of how advanced this stuff seems? Well, uh, for me, it was when I was in pastoral ministry, and it was probably the late 90s, mid to late 90s, and I discovered the world of uh, chat rooms. Christianity Today had some uh, chat rooms that they sponsored on uh, AOL, for anyone who knows what that is. Mm. But That's my um, email address. Uh, still yeah. embarrassing. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so uh, I and some others would frequent the, the chat rooms of AOL, but then when uh, the technology increased such that you could do voice over internet chat rooms where you could integrate speech into the chat room experience. 
uh, that was one of those moments hmm. for for me. Yeah. Well, getting back to our conversation, how about this? Uh, the, another question, uh, again, from an alum had to do, and I'm simplifying here, but is technology kind of, is it amoral or uh, does it does it fall more heavily on one side or the other? And maybe, how, can you help us understand how, how we might, as Christians, just think through those issues? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that technology is moral in the sense of a technological instrument or device or tool. You wouldn't assign uh, praise or blame to it. That's only properly assigned to moral agents. But uh, certainly we can use them in ways that are um, sinful or uh, honoring to, to God, loving of our neighbor. Well, a lot of times when Christians think about uh, technology, they ask the question, well, is it amoral? And if you say yes, as I just did in that regard, they say, well, then it's neutral. And as long as I'm not using it to do bad things, mm-hmm. Uh, like watching porn on the internet or something like that, uh, it's neutral. I would say uh, that technology is not ideologically neutral in the sense of every technology has within it certain values that um, orient us in particular ways and de-emphasize other, uh, other things. And so Christians should be asking ourselves, you know, with the use of this technology over time, how is it influencing me in ways that are either um, conducive to spiritual formation and the likeness of Christ or, or not? Um, Andy Crouch in his book, Culture Making, talks about uh, several questions to evaluate cultural artifacts. And one of the questions is, what does this assume about the way that the world is? What does this assume about the way that the world should be? What does this make possible or easier that previously was uh, impossible or more difficult? But then the question that I think we often neglect is, what does this make impossible or harder that previously was possible or easier? And so um, that, I think, is the kind of question that we should be asking of ourselves and our use of, of technology. Hmm. Maybe at its simplest form, too, what I hear you saying is, Asking yourself questions is yes. a good thing. Yes, when it, it comes is. to technology, asking questions is good. Yeah. Um, we have this term that you hear sometimes when we talk about uh, technological usage of Luddite. And in some cases, this is an accusation that's hurled at people. Um, I wondered if you could talk a little about that term. How did we get that term? And, and also, too, if you have, if you can, kind of touch on uh, the, the level of, of criticism that people have in the sense that um, is it possible to almost be too critical of these things? Is it possible to be asking too many questions about technology and its value or its lack of and that sort of thing? Um, how do you think through that? Hmm. Well, the Luddites were a group of uh, English textile workers who uh, destroyed weaving machines out of protest, but they weren't anti-technology, they thought that the, um, the people who owned the businesses were using the machines in ways that were um, injurious to standard labor practices. And so they were not opposed to machinery. In fact, some of the Luddites were um, very skilled in using them. They were, they were very much concerned that these were being used in ways that were depriving people of 
their, their rights and their welfare. And so today, the term Luddite becomes a pejorative. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone who says anything critical about technology, often that accusation is leveled. Well, don't be a Luddite or you're a Luddite. Uh, I like something that uh, Sherry Turkle said in an interview uh, recently where she says, I'm not anti-technology, I'm pro-conversation. Mm. And I think uh, for, from a Christian point of view, I would revise that and say, I'm not anti-technology, I'm pro-imago day. We need to be thinking about how it is that we are using our technologies in ways that are either affirming of what we say is true of human being or, or not. And um, myself, I do enjoy technology very much. So my criticism is not born out of a, um, you know, an antipathy towards it, but it is born out of a realization that, you know, even in my own life, there are some ways that I think I like it too much, and there are some ways that it has had effects on me that are not beneficial. Mm-hmm. Now, as to whether or not we can ask too many questions or be too critical, um, I think there are a couple of things we've got to think about there. Number one, there is the, we want to say that technology is part of God's good gift and creation, and our use of technology and our creation of technology is, I think, part of our fulfilling what God has called humanity to do to have dominion over the earth. So in that sense, uh, technology is not uh, an expression of the fall. But with the fall and with the deceitfulness of our hearts and with our tendencies to um, make idols, uh, we need to constantly be giving thought as to how we're making use of it. So um, I think the, the balance is both recognizing that in God's good creative purposes, technology is part of that. But also we do have to recognize that um, there is a corrupting influence based upon our, our heart's fallenness. I wanted to ask you for further study, too. We're going to post <clears throat> with the podcast a list of um, suggested reading that you've mm-hmm. provided, which I think will be really helpful to people. Are there uh, one or two uh, works from that list that you would really advise people who are trying to think critically about these issues to get into? There are. Can I give you three? Sure. All right. Okay. The first two are technology-specific. And uh, the first one is one that I came across um, during those chat room days. Mm-hmm. is by Douglas Grotheis, who is a professor of uh, philosophy of religion at Denver Seminary, and it's called uh, The Soul in Cyberspace. And it was published in 1999, and I think that it was, uh, it was prescient in many ways. I, I think that he foresaw a number of things that uh, the things that he deals with in that book are very applicable even today. The second book is um, a more recent one, Tony Ranke's 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. Uh, Tony Ranke is with Desiring God Ministries, and he has been doing a lot of research and looking at this interface between technology and uh, Christian discipleship and formation. And he looks at 12 areas in which um, we should be giving thought in terms of the influence of our rampant use, not just of the cell phone, but other computer technology. And then the other one is more uh, broad, looking at technology in general. And that is a, a book called From the Garden to the City, uh, the subtitle is The Redeeming and Corrupting Power of Technology 
by a man named John Dyer, who has been in web development and is also a theologian. He's out at uh, Dallas Theological Seminary, or at least he was when he wrote it. I'm not sure exactly if he's still there. But that is a good biblical theology of technology and also an introduction to theories of of technology and media ecology. Well, to close this down here, um, I was thinking this this is such a challenging issue for Christians, and I think it's at the forefront of a lot of people's thinking. And I think in some ways we've seen how, especially in the younger years, it's caused a lot of anxiety on the part of people, uh, you know, with kids, with cyberbullying and all these things. I mean, it's a very confusing situation in a lot of ways. So thinking theologically and as Christians through that, what what kind of broad comfort almost in a way do you suggest Christians take hold of when they feel a little bit rattled sometimes with working through these kinds of issues? Hmm. Well, one is that uh, technology isn't this autonomous force that um, is just growing on its own independently of of human choices. And even beyond that is the reality of the sovereignty of God and that uh, God is providentially overseeing all of this. Christ is going to build his church. He has given us the resources that we need in order to be faithful to him even in the, the face of these challenges. And the church has always had challenges that uh, they had to contend with. And God in his grace has given us uh, what is necessary for us to live unto him faithfully. And we just need to avail ourselves of those things and to think uh, soundly about uh, his word and his world and to seek to avail ourselves of the the helps that are there. That's a good word. Thanks. Okay, I promised something free, and here it is. One of the benefits we offer to people who have graduated and earned either a master's or a bachelor's degree from Karen is the opportunity to audit a class at no cost to them. You can access the application for this at karen.edu slash alumni, uh, where you'll find the alumni audit under benefits. And again, this is a $244 value, if I can sound like a pitchman for a minute, because that is the cost that you don't pay. Um, and it's only for our alumni who have graduated from Karen. There are a few restrictions you'll find there, but uh, it's a way for us to support our alumni and a great way for you to stay connected and benefit from the ongoing world-class education you received at Cairn and uh, to spend more time like you have today with great professors like Keith. Thanks for listening. <laughs>